Off the ball, with thanks to Ford, introducing the newest member of our team, the mighty new Ford C-Max. Ford, driving expectations even further. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! It's got to be one of the dumbest calls offensively in Super Bowl history. Are you kidding me? Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Tie game! Big puppy. The grand slam. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! All righty. Time for U.S. sports once again. Our resident Yank, Donny Manny, with us. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi, Joe. How you doing? I'm great. Glad to be back. Good. Beautiful weather we're having. Yeah, it's, it's like an American summer here. Um, so sick and tired of this weather. I've booked a few days off. I'm going to Mayo for the next few days. You're just not, get away. You're not going to America? Uh, no, going to Mayo for a few Joe, days. This, this is just more of a break, and I've checked the weather forecast, and it's largely in keeping with what's going on right now. Not surprisingly, but yeah. you could have easily jumped on a flight to any of the great American cities, Los Angeles. Orlando, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, Boston, Massachusetts, all of these places would delight you, but not only with cultural amenities, yeah. but with beautiful weather. I don't have the time. It is a three or four day thing. Make the time. Well, that's a fair point. I'm going to do something in October. Okay. And October. I'm undecided as of yet, so who knows? Interesting. Well, so 10 years, I mean, wow, 10 years since Hurricane Katrina the uh, deadliest hurricane to ever make landfall in the Gulf Coast. On top of the billions of damage and hundreds of people who lost their lives, Katrina also had a pretty uh, profound effect on the city's NFL team, the Saints, who were forced to evacuate evacuate their stadium. And their stadium, of course, became uh, the refuge, really, for thousands of people. This is um, It's hard to believe it's 10 years. Yeah, it's one of those things that we all live through and... You know, that summer, 2005, was the same summer I think that Lance Armstrong won his seventh Tour de France. Yeah. Um, and it's just, as an American, it's one of the the lowest, saddest things I've ever witnessed happen to my own country in my own lifetime. One of the greatest cities that America has created, one of the most unique places in the world, the birthplace of jazz, places given Americans so many uh, cultural amenities, mm. uh, just really just put to its knees. So many people just... Uh, left suffering. Really terrible thing to, to watch from, from afar. I was in Ireland at the time. One of the smaller and far less con- consequential aspects of the story was the hurricane hit about two weeks before the NFL season of 2005 was going to start and left the New Orleans Saints, New Orleans, Louisiana's, and maybe the South's only real professional football team or professional sports team. Mm. They were homeless. Like the city it, itself, the Saints became a metaphor for thousands of people. Pretty much, they actually, you know, they they had the team had the same exact their stadium, which was this sort of almost like a homeless shelter. It had its roof blown off, mm. and the Saints were basically uh, wandering America. They were playing home games in New York. They were playing. They split half their season between San Antonio, yeah, and a uh, college stadium in Louisiana. It was just a really strange, depressing time, and. New Orleans nearly lost his team. But, like a sports movie, football and sport helped bring Louisiana and New Orleans back. Yes. And now, the city's never been uh, been more booming. Yeah. 
and New Orleans sports haven't just survived Hurricane Katrina. They've actually, well, they're better than ever. And it's on this note and this point we want to bring in Jeff Duncan. He's a columnist with the New Orleans Times, Pick Iun. Evening, Jeff. Thanks for your time. Yeah, my pleasure, gentlemen. How are you doing? Very well. So, I mean, it's hard to believe it's 10 years, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, at some points uh, it feels like yesterday, and at other times it feels like a century ago. It, it really depends on the aspect of the uh, storm we're talking about. But um, very exciting times here in New Orleans this week. A lot of international media here to celebrate the uh, 10-year anniversary. It should be uh, an historic occasion. I guess it was a case of all hands on deck from a journalist's point of view during that period. And I know you ended up just reporting on what was going on because, frankly, reporting on sport and talking about sport during that period wouldn't have made much sense. I was reading, you know, your piece where you went to see the stadium. You said one inspector compared the stadium to a massive Petri dish after it uh, sat empty and without power for days. The rain, flood water, blood, sweat, tears, trash and human feces stewing in the heat which is an awful kind of uh, image and, and, and kind of scenario that you've uh, painted there. And, and we heard terrible things about the stadium and what was going on. Can you, can you bring us back to some of what you saw? Sure. It was, um, you know, it was incredibly hot uh, during that time around Katrina, before and after. If you've been to Louisiana at this time of year, uh, it's just it, it's brutally humid and uh, heat index is in the triple figures. So, uh, we had a stretch of that after the storm. You know, when a big tropical storm comes through any area, it tends to be a vortex and just sucks everything out in the climate and usually have a, a period of very beautiful weather after that. And that's what we had in New Orleans. I can distinctly remember how hot it was, but we had no working power, no uh, potable water, any any kind of uh, utility in the city for days. Uh, so it was very difficult conditions, and that's one of the reasons why I course i wanted to cover the storm and the aftermath was you know i I was capable of doing it was fairly healthy and it was tough reporting at that time Uh, it wasn't for everybody so we needed all hands on deck as you said to to cover this story is the biggest story of our lives and the biggest story of our readers lives uh so and i i was uh familiar of course with doug thornton who's the the manager of the superdome and uh, had been in many conversations with him after the storm and before it's about the condition of the dome, what the status was for it. But in the immediate aftermath, of course, there was a, a recovery and a, a life-saving crisis, and many people were uh, brought to the dome uh, that really had no intentions or plans of being there uh, as the uh, crisis unfolded. So you ended up with some, some reports. We still don't even know, guys, how many people were in the actual Superdome taking shelter in the days afterward. There have been estimates as high as 40,000 people, uh, many of them without any provisions. Uh, so it was a very, very um, dire situation. And, and going into that dome uh, during the biohazard um, um, evaluation of the facility, um, I'll never forget it because it looked like, uh, you know, there had been a festival for, uh, you know, a month in there. There was, you know, trash everywhere. Uh, water everywhere, and you just really, it was very sobering to uh, realize that this building may not be able to be rehabilitated. They may have to tear it down, and that potential uh, really, uh, I think, was a reality of the storm and maybe what we were facing in this long-term recovery. 
And what was the atmosphere like inside the Superdome when you visited? Because it was such a melting pot. There's people very afraid. There's people uh, bereft and in mourning. There's people who are really angry, I would think. Um, I don't know what security was like. I mean, you heard tales of lawlessness and and just things going on. What was your sense of the atmosphere? Well, there was obviously uh, the, the, the basic population that was in there was really three different groups of people. The, the people that went there to ride out the storm before the storm hit and to take shelter, they came with provisions, with bedding, with extra clothes, because they came uh, prepared. And then what you had after that was a whole set of different people that got uh, brought there either from rooftops, rescued off rooftops by, by helicopter, or waded there through the floodwaters to seek shelter. That was a whole different group of people because they were just destitute trying to save their lives, trying to get somewhere uh, for help. And so those people did not have any belongings. They didn't come with any bedding or anything. And so that's when things started to get, um, when you started putting in this second group of people into the mix uh, that was just seeking any kind of shelter or any kind of help at all, uh, yeah, there was, a, I think, a, a tangible air of um, panic to, to some degree. When are we going to get out of here? A lot of people, guys, were brought there that didn't even want to be brought there. They were picked up off the roofs on a helicopter airlift and just dropped at the Superdome and were not allowed to leave. So, yes, there was a lot of anger. It was an incredibly emotional time because people were being held basically captive there uh, against their wishes. And it just kind of boiled over there later, uh, four or five days afterward, when finally these buses uh, arrived and were able to transport people out of there. Because at the end, things were getting very dicey and they were having to bring in military support uh, to try and control this crowd population because the, the, the New Orleans Police Department was basically on search and rescue missions out in the neighborhoods, that was their top priority. So there wasn't enough um, personnel, security personnel, in the Superdome to control that kind of population. And uh, Jeff, how long did it take uh, people in the city and uh, people covering the Saints to realize that the city might actually lose its own football team um, in the wake of the hurricane? Well, a lot of reports were coming out of San Antonio where the Saints had relocated during the 2005 season that were, I think, creating a lot of confusion and a lot of doubt in the the fans' minds about the potential uh, of the Saints leaving. Uh, You know, one day you would read a public announcement by the owner, Tom Benson, saying he's fully committed to coming back to New Orleans, fully uh, intends to be a part of the recovery. And then the next day, the San Antonio newspaper would have a report basically countering that exact statement saying that behind closed doors, Tom Benson was meeting with San Antonio officials uh, to discuss permanent relocation. So a lot of confusion, people back here already uh, in a fragile psyche, trying to rebuild their homes, wondering about their their life savings and their future. And then you've got these reports coming out of San Antonio at the time. So it was a crisis of, uh, I think, confidence in, in the Saints' ownership and management at the time, on whether they were looking uh, to take advantage of this crisis and skip town. You have to know a little bit of context. The Saints were unhappy before the storm with their lease situation at the Superdome, very unhappy with the support they were receiving from the fans. So that backdrop uh, fed into, I think, people's concerns. So 
I guess the good news from a New Orleans point of view is the Saints stay ultimately. The area begins a recovery and, I mean, the Saints' fortunes turn around. Like, they're, nicknamed, they're known collectively as the Aints for about a decade because they were so bad they don't make the playoffs until 1987. And then the nine intervening years, like, they win a Super Bowl. This is, this is unbelievable. Well, miraculous. Uh, you, you start to think of uh, divine intervention. And really it all boils, boils down to the arrival of Drew Brees. You know, when you really look back at how fortuitous that was, a player of his caliber, arguably one of the 50 greatest players to ever play in the NFL, uh, landing in their laps because of an unfortunate injury that he suffered. Really, he was damaged goods and ended up here because not enough other teams believed in him and wanted to take a chance on him or felt like they could take a chance on him. And you end up, it's really one of the great stories in NFL history that he ends up here and, and is such was the perfect leader at the time. And I think that's another thing you, you all alluded earlier to the Saints being a part of recovery, kind of leading the recovery. There was a dearth of leadership in the city at the time after the storm. People were, were dying for leadership or thirsting for leadership, any kind of direction. And here you, here you had Drew Brees, the quarterback, and Sean Payton, the head coach, both incredible leaders, and people just gravitated to that. They saw competence in their play and in their uh, way they carried themselves off the field, and I think that helped uh, grow this fan support uh, immediately after the storm. People, uh, it galvanized the city because they immediately saw uh, how strong the leaders they were. Jeff, can you talk about a bit about the mood in uh, New Orleans this week? Uh, you referred to it there at the beginning, but I mean, for such a tragic event, it's amazing. It sounds like it's a, there's like a celebratory mood, almost like a Mardi Gras spirit uh, going around the, the here late August. Yeah, I think so, and I think at the same time, city leaders and, and local officials are very cognizant that uh, to to relay the message that you know we're not done. There's a lot of neighborhoods in this city that have not recovered sadly uh, may not recover in the next decade. There's a lot of work to be done. Uh, there's still construction uh, barrels all over the city as, as post-Katrina funding uh, bottlenecked into the city, and we're still trying to get our streets repaired and, and get our major hospital project up and running that will help a large segment of our population. Vast swaths of the lower ninth wards remain unpopulated, so there's a lot of things that still need to be done. At the same time, we've made incredible progress in other areas of education, uh, the economy, the tech sector in this city. There's a brain gain of young 20-something-year-old professionals that have migrated to the city in unprecedented numbers after the storm that never would have been here before Katrina. It wasn't an attractive place to work for young uh, professionals in this country. And so those areas we need to celebrate, and uh, I think by and large the city's economy is uh, better than it's ever been. So there is a lot of uh, optimism, I think, for the future. We've just got to make sure we continue on the right track and, and not stop and pause. Yeah. Jeff, brilliant stuff, really interesting. Thanks so much for being with us. Sure, anytime. My pleasure, fellas. Thanks for having me. That's Jeff Duncan, a columnist with the New Orleans Times Picayune. You know, funny, one of the memories which just hit me there mm. is a stunned Mike Myers reading Kanye West's autocue and saying, that didn't say George Bush George Bush doesn't care about black people. And uh, 
not quite sure how to react. Did, did Mike Myers keep reading? He, I think he just froze. I, <laughs> I think he's just. Fr- I don't think he's moved since. George Bush does not care about black people. What okay. a, what you're go, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just such a crazy time. I mean, a yeah. really depressing time. I don't. You know, you haven't been to New Orleans. I'm guessing, Joe, have you? No, sadly. It's more than New York, more than San Francisco. It's the place in America I would recommend anyone visit. <sighs> it's the most fun, most diverse. Most interesting American city by far. There's nothing like it. I don't think there's anything in the world like it. It's, it has French influence. It has African-American influence. It has so much going on. Mm. And you, you come down, you drive down Main Street, and you just see it off the highway, the Superdome, this massive stadium. And that, that, that stadium has played a massive role in, in the city's identity, uh, both in good times and bad. I, I will take that advice on board. Though I suspect you're, you know... It's not an American city. Oh, so, so I'm going to go to, I want to go to an American city. Oh, right. You want to go to... I would like to get the American experience. You'd... But I guess for Americans, I can see why it's quite nice. You'd like Denver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Donnie, thanks very much. All right. We'll uh, see you next Tuesday. Off the ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.